I'm Jamie Gennaro, and this is Business for Humans. Let's talk about taking your business to a new level without the suits and without being a robot. Here, you can be yourself, you can be imperfect, you can be flawed, and you can still have raging success. So let's go. Well, hello, everybody. Welcome. I'm so excited because I have a second listener. <laughs> I like kind of say that tongue in cheek and I kind of don't. But I'm so honored when people tell me that the information is helpful and resonating. And if you're not one of my two listeners, Rudina and Susan, it's really fun to call people out. Um, people who I just hold so dear in my heart for supporting me. Um, if you're not one of those two people <laughs> and you're listening, um, let me know what topics would be helpful. If you are you know, running a business, launching a business, thinking about going into business, what are some of the things that you need help with? Let me know. Write it in the comments. And if the podcast is resonating, then consider writing a review. I don't like asking for that stuff, but I also know it's really helpful because it just gets the information out to more people who might need it. So welcome, welcome. Today we are talking about fundamentals. And this episode is a little bit more applicable to people who have a team. Uh, you can still listen <laughs> if you don't have a team. But when you have a team, I think sometimes it's easy to get lost in the personalities, the quest for strong leadership, the emotions, I mean, everything that comes along with managing people. And we, what we forget is that sometimes the baseline of all of that are just the fundamentals. And I get called in a lot to consult with companies who are having a little bit of a communication breakdown. And typically, what I find, and the reason why I wanted to do this podcast, is that those breakdowns usually revolve around two things. And this is why I think getting these two things right, the fundamentals right, can solve so many problems in your business. So you're like, what is it? Just spit it out. So the two things are clarifying roles and responsibilities and process. So let me use this, uh, this client as an example that just came to me recently. So they brought me in because I had consulted with them um, kind of early on in my business, actually. They were one of my first clients. And I worked with the owner of the business and their small team to essentially create some process improvements that could allow for higher revenues, essentially. And when I came in, what I like to do when I, when I come in with teams is I like to do an audit and I just get people talking. So of course, the CEO or a, or a senior member of, of the leadership team will typically bring me in knowing they need some help. And so I get the first view of the business from their eyes, right? And then what I do is I come in and I, I just talk and talk and talk with the team. Typically, the people who are like in the, in the trenches, doing the work, in the weeds, they're the ones 
who are up against roadblocks that sometimes the leadership team can't see. So in this more recent kind of work that I did with them, they brought me in because there was some communication with a new manager that was managing a team. And at first the CEO said, you know, I just want to do, I want you to mediate kind of a free-for-all feelings fest. Like just give people like two and a half hours to talk about their feelings. And listen, I'm not against feelings at work. I mean, this is called business for humans. Like I understand the need to bring like the human side in. But what I think people forget is that there are two baseline fundamentals when managing people. And the first one is rules and responsibilities. And when we got to the heart of the issue in this mediation situation, which is not something I typically do. So if you're like, oh, great, you're a mediator. I'm not. I just happen to know this team very well. And so I was the right person to kind of come in and and help foster this conversation between a new manager and a team that I knew that that had been with the organization for a while. Rules and responsibilities is what the issue ultimately was. And there were lots of feelings around that. But when we got to the core of it, it was about roles and responsibilities. And what had happened in this specific case was that the manager came in replacing a former manager. And the former manager had essentially been running production. So they do a lot of online course content, which requires a lot of video, audio files, um, just all of the content that revolves around putting up an online course. And the former manager had basically been like a high-level project manager, managing timelines, priorities, putting things together. This new manager came in and was much higher level. The new manager was not a project manager. This person was more higher level strategic thinking and less in the weeds, identifying priorities and timelines and things like this, which is fine. But the problem is that was never explained to the team. So the confusion came up when they were expecting certain things from this new manager that weren't happening and vice versa. So, you know, whose fault is it? X, Y, Z. I mean, I think here, this is a good example of making sure that when you bring someone on, that the role is clear your role as a leader bringing that person on is clear. Like, okay, what's the differential between me and this new person? What is the impact on the team? What is their role with the team? What are the expectations? So roles and responsibilities come with expectations. And if we don't set them ahead of time, it's not going to, those expectations are never going to be met because we're not explaining what we need. So, Let's talk about the team in this case. So we know that the manager came in with an expectation of their role. And now the team is needing to understand where they have to ebb and flow to meet now this missing role. So that was the first thing we did. We identified the manager's role. Now we need to identify the role of the team, of each member of the team. How does this shift their responsibilities. And in fact, it did because one of the more senior members of the team needed to now elevate into that missing leadership role. Now, 
what was great about identifying this was that now this person who had been extremely frustrated now was being recognized for their abilities and for their leadership abilities and was being given ownership of a process that someone else had been owning and sort of funneling down to them. Now they step into a role where they get to own it. So I came in to sort of mediate this frustrating, this frustration between these two people. And what we ended up realizing is now the manager gets to stay in that high level place. And this, this other team member gets to elevate into a more senior role as well. So I think the outcome was really positive. But I think a lot of times what happens when there's not clear role definition is that this frustration just continues. It goes on and on. And there are two places where the confusion around roles and expectations um, really starts to break down. And I think what happens is it happens in two places. Either the leader, CEO, you know, high-level senior leadership is too far in the weeds. And so the people doing that work are like, hands up. They're just like, what am I supposed to do? You're doing all the work. If I try to get in there and do it, I'm obviously not as experienced and I'm getting shunned. I don't know what to do. And so they just pull back and then they get really bummed out. And guess what they spend their time doing? Looking for jobs. You're paying them (laughs) to look for jobs because you're in there so deep. They don't know what they're supposed to be doing. So I've talked about leaders being in the weeds Go back and listen to that episode if this is resonating or ringing true. If you think you're that leader, go back and listen to that. So that's where the roles can be unclear. And then the team takes a step back and then they really lose their motivation. The other place where this can be a problem is the opposite, where the team like dives in and jumps in and starts taking over things that maybe aren't necessarily supposed to be on their plate. So they might be doing sort of extra busy work. Let me give an example. A different team I work with, they, uh, they manage the finance part of production projects in an ad agency. And they've spent all their time like creating these really cumbersome Excel spreadsheets to track the budgets. And guess what? They're totally inaccurate. They've never been really like, updated regularly enough to be an accurate kind of data point. And they, it's just this busy work that they sort of invented or maybe inherited from someone. And it's really like this useless, it takes a lot of time, but it doesn't end up being productive because the, the information is not helpful <laughs> or accurate. And so what's interesting is in that case, the team had been like using this with inaccurate information to the client, inaccurate information to the business, the business had been running on data coming from these spreadsheets and no one had like bothered to sort of sit down with this team and go, hey, like, is this your job? And also, is this the most effective way to do it? So so understanding the role in this case would be, you know, doesn't this feel like maybe this should sit on the finance team and maybe they should be using the tools in place that are, you know, already more accurate and slightly more automated where they can, you know, get you the information you need. So this information was living in two places because this team was just kind of like spinning on these spreadsheets. 
I'm sure this sounds familiar, right? I think everyone's been in a workplace where there was like this busy work project on your plate and maybe you couldn't really figure out why you were supposed to do it, but it was just on the list. And so you just kept doing it, even though it didn't feel like it was effective. This happens all the time. And I think what happens in this case too, is that when you sit down as a manager to have a one-on-one with your team, you know, those one-on-ones should be about this sort of thing, right? Like, tell me what's on your plate. Let's look at your workload. Let's figure out what the priorities are. Let's see if this is really the most effective use of your time. You're helping them understand where to lean in and where to lean out and where to delegate, right? This is an important growth piece to teams that you're trying to elevate um, and mentor is this idea of delegation. Like, is that really where you should be spending your time or should you be spending your time working with the client and improving the work and get out of the spreadsheets, right? It's taking away the creativity. It's taking away the time you should be spending like fostering relationships. Let's get that off your plate. They're not going to know that on their own because someone assigned them a task and they're going to keep doing the task. And I think it's really wrong for management to say, well, why didn't the team notice or elevate this work? Or why aren't they, I don't know, stepping into this like be more strategic role? I think it's really unfair. I think this is an unfair expectation. Unless you've set that up front and you've said, look, part of your job is to look strategically at things, break them apart and come to me with feedback on the tasks that are on your plate. If you're not saying that outright, It's not everyone's instinct and it's wrong to assume that it is. So when you set up a role for someone, obviously I think a job description is a great place to start and to continue going back to if you feel like they're getting a little bit veering off. There's always room for conversation if that job description doesn't fit what they're doing anymore, but it's your baseline, right? Like let's go back to these baseline fundamentals Start the job with a job description that encompasses everything you might need. Then sit down as you're onboarding and really talk about the expectations. What is your number one priority? I remember hiring someone um, when I was in a senior position and I was hiring someone to be on on our senior team and they were going to be working closely with the CEO. And I said, listen, the best thing you can do, like your highest priority is you can make sure that she's not in any of these meetings. So you need to get trust from her early on so that she can step out of these meetings because that's going to show like the most effective change in her world will be you taking over this piece of the business so that she doesn't have to. So that's your priority. If you if you get assigned a bunch of other things, just remember that's that's your first priority is establishing the trust, doing what you need to establish the trust with her so that she can back out of these meetings and you can you can lead them. It was a big part of the business and she was getting sucked in. So so you need to set those expectations early on, like in the onboarding process of what's the highest priority in this role? What's the outcome you really want to see from them? That's the, that's the North Star that they're going to be driving towards. So, so make sure the job description is clear, the expectations are set, and then how does, where does their role fit in the ecosystem? What, what's important about where they sit 
in the team and explain that. And who are they, who's going to be working around them? So I'm using a lot of examples, but another place where I've seen this happen is that I'm helping reorg an advertising agency. And one of the big questions is, well, who gets to make the decision? Like at the end of the day, who's making the final call on stuff that goes to clients? And what I told them is it's not one person. What we're trying to establish is a team that's at the top. So in this case, if you don't work in advertising, maybe it doesn't it doesn't ring true to you, but I think it's similar. Like if you're running a team and there's a deliverable that that team is responsible for. And of course there's someone at the head of that team that ultimately like has to take the heat if something goes wrong, right? There's always that one person that of course is going to take the heat, but it doesn't mean that there's one person who's like a hundred percent, this goes through yes or no. That person is there to do that if you're at like a standstill and no one can make a decision. But ultimately, the reason you have a team is to work together as a team, which means making decisions as a team. So in the case of a creative studio or an advertising agency, what I told them was you need a trifecta of people at the top of that stack that have a point of view from three different places. And I like to put at the top of that creative stack, a strategist, a creative director typically, and then somebody who's running the account. So account director, creative director, and and strategist. These three people have all very different viewpoints on where the work needs to be. And all three of those perspectives are really critical, in my opinion, to making the strongest case. And so no one at the end of the day is like, yes, yes, 100%, except the CEO. Of course, the CEO has veto power. But I like to put a team together that works together to find the answer, to find the solution, to get the thing pushed through. Now, if you haven't set that expectation with your team, that they're the trifecta, that everybody sort of leads up to them, so they're all leading their own you know, people on the team, and they have to kind of collate all the feedback from their people and then bring it forward. Right. But if you haven't set that expectation of like you three are the trifecta, I want you to brainstorm. I want you to come out of a client meeting. I want you to have recommendations. I want to understand like your point of view. Right. If you haven't set that expectation, guess what's going to happen? They're going to leave the meetings. They're going to leave the brainstorm sessions and they're not going to know where to go next. They're all going to go into their own siloed space. They're going to be working on their own things. They're going to be working on their own versions of this Excel spreadsheet that the other people were working on. They're going to sort of create busy work for themselves because they don't understand that what you want them to do is actually as a trio come together and deliver XYZ, right? Like that's your goal. If I was leading a team, I would say my outcome for you, trio, is that you figure out how to read each other's minds that you get, you let go and you team build and you bond and you figure out the best way to work together, you are a team. You got to figure out how to pass to the open space. (laughs) Like you got to know that your teammate's going to be there. You got to be able to lob the ball back and forth. That's some of the beauty of working as a team is working as a team, not working as a bunch of individuals all siloed doing your own things, but working as a team. The only way that you as the leader of that team can get that team thriving is to set up the plays, right? Is to set up 
the ideal scenario for them to thrive, for them to be able to bring their best work to the table. You set up the framework. You set up the 442, right? Like it's your job as the leader to say like, this is how I guys, I want you to run this play. I'm not going to be in there running the play. I'm not going to get in there. And if I see you miss the ball, I'm going to jump in and play for you. Please don't do that. But set up the play, set up the expectation, set up the outcome, help them visualize what it like, what is this end goal that you're trying to get to? For me, it would be look, look, the end goal is I want you all to be thriving, feeling creative and challenged, feeling like a team, understanding what your role is with everyone, and then delivering really amazing work where you're pushing boundaries, where you're not just checking off things because someone told you you have these five tasks and you have to do them no matter what. I would want the team to be looking at ways to improve process, aka number two to my fundamentals. So frustration comes when you don't know your role, you don't know the responsibilities that you're holding or how they relate to others, and you don't know the expectations of your senior team. You don't know what expectation they clearly have of you and your role. And underneath that is the process it takes to get the work done. And process is not a set it and you're done. And apologies if you start hearing like loud, deep grumbling sounds. My entire front of my street is dug under. It's open. There are excavators and sand pusher downers. Um, they're, They're laying new pipes in the street. And what's kind of amazing in the Netherlands is there's no jackhammer. There's no tar being laid. It's all sand and it's all brick. So they just pull up the brick, dig in the sand, put the sand back, put the bricks back. It's actually kind of amazing to watch. Anyway, process. Process is what sits underneath everything, right? But it's never just done. It's kind of like a website, right? It's kind of, Process, I think of it as like a living, breathing organism. There are ways where you're going to, there are certain things you're going to set and forget about that should be really easy, right? Like certain things are going to be a part of your process. That's just like, like for my husband, his team, they do a daily stand up, 15 minutes every day. They're just like, what's the status? He works on a production team. So it's like, where's, where's this? Where's that? What are the blockers? Okay, cool. Everybody go. So that's just a part of their process that they don't have to refine. They don't have to fix it. The meeting is really efficient. But a lot of process undergoes just constant optimization. And I think that's good. And I think if you're somebody who's afraid of change or scared of change, you're going to hold on to that process. Like, no, but this is our process. We cannot change it. I think it's dangerous to do that because you're not constantly looking for ways to improve it. And, And process always has room for improvement. And I think that's where communication breakdown and team issues come to play because there's a process that's not working. There's a process of Excel spreadsheets that people are just checking off. And then when someone comes in to look at them and ask them questions about where's the money and they can't answer the question, they've forgotten the reason they're doing the task. And that's what process is. Process is 
not just each task. It's how each task lives in the ecosystem. So it's the same thing with a role, right? Like someone's role sits inside of an ecosystem. They're not on an island. And process is the same way. Every task levels up into building, you know, the workflow for an organization. And if you're just blindly doing tasks without asking why or wondering if it could be done better, then you're not doing anything to improve your work, essentially. And that is where there's so much spin and confusion, right? So let's talk about like what a lot of people do is send feedback through email, okay? In every company, there's feedback being sent through email, unless you're like a super optimized software company. And then you have tools and trackers and everything. But, but a lot of times what people do is they send feedback through email. And, and in my world, if a client is sending me something through email, it's a little bit of a problem because I typically, I mean, unless they're signed up for like a long-term project with me, but if I'm doing kind of like a one-off project and then we get into this like email spin, email spin can go on for days, hours. It creates so much confusion. So this is something like when I look at process and I'm like, okay, I understand why your team's having a little bit of a communication breakdown because they're getting 25 emails from the most senior person on the team, which means they have to respond to every email. Now, if you're a senior member of the team sending 25 emails, maybe that's not your expectation, but you are the most senior member of the team, everyone is going to reply to those emails. And guess what? If you send those emails at 6 p.m. or 7 p.m. or 8 p.m., very junior teams are going to reply. And it just sets up a bad precedent. But I think email feedback is a great place where it's like, is this the most efficient way to provide feedback? Is this the best process? Because emails are confusing. It's hard to find information. You can't track them very well. There's a lot of spin because it's you're not efficiently getting to the heart of the matter. You're like talking through it over and over and over. And it's hard to find the nugget. Then a lot of people don't write emails in a way where it's like, okay, subject line due today, 4 p.m., need final feedback, and then outline it. That's not how most people send emails. They just respond to a thread where the subject line doesn't actually make sense around what we're talking about now. So when you go looking for the thread, you're like, wait, what were we talking about? What was the subject line? Uh, Think about how lost you've gotten an email in your career. (laughs) Like if you're a senior, you know, executive, how many emails have you tried to search for that you just couldn't find because it was like the subject line was weird. You couldn't find the topic you were looking for. I mean, this is a place where there's so much room for process improvement because it creates so much confusion. So this is at the heart of most management issues is process where you're doing these spreadsheets, you're not sure why, it's confusing, you're getting emails from the most senior members of the team all through the night, they don't really make sense, you're not sure what they're asking for, but you don't speak up, right? And I think this is what happens with more junior teams. They're just taking the information in. 
they're not at the point in their career yet where they can look at it really um, strategically and then understand where it fits into the business, right? So they're in a they're in a role where it's like they're receiving information and they're just acting on it, right? It's very reactive. And it's hard to be proactive in this case because you're just getting things thrown at you constantly and you're just trying to figure out how to manage them. So set, as a senior member, the two fundamentals, set really clear roles and responsibilities for your team, understand where they fit in the ecosystem, and then look at process as a living, growing being. Constantly be reviewing it with your team, like, let me see those spreadsheets. Like, what are you spending your time working on? And it's not from a place of like, you're being condescending or trying to catch them in the act or whatever. You have to make sure you're really clear about that. Like you're trying to help them have more space. You're trying to help them do their work at the highest level. And sometimes that means taking spreadsheets off their plate and you're really doing it to help them and assist them and to look for efficiencies. The other thing that I like to say, and I say it all the time, and I think people forget when they're in the middle of like super stress and heavy deadlines, this idea of like measure twice and cut once. And I know we've heard it for a long time, but people do not implement it. So they start making changes on the fly or they roll out a new role just because, and they don't take the time to prepare. They don't do the measure twice part. They're not like, okay, there's going to be a new hire. Let's write the job description. Let's let the team understand. Let's prep it. There's a lot of prep that goes into it. And people are like, no, takes too long. Moving too fast. Get the person in. We'll figure it all out when they get here. And dudes, (laughs) it doesn't work. You will spend so much money chasing your tail, trying to fix the problems when you could have just measured twice and taken a little bit more time, you would have resolved problems before they became problems, most likely. So measure twice, take your time, take a beat, take a breath, take a couple days. If you're moving that fast, there's a different problem and you and I should talk about it. (laughs) So there's always time. And when there's not time, that's when you, you know, kind of shoot yourself in the foot, which I was trying to find another expression because I hate that. It's like so American. We have every expression's about shooting. <laughs> shotgun. I'm, I'm saying shotgun. But I think it's just, it's really important to slow down and to take that extra time so that you're not spending more money and creating more problems later. So back to the fundamentals, people, before or even, you know, as you're trying to resolve, quote unquote, management issues, communication issues, team member issues, before you go down the rabbit hole of like, what are the emotions? What are the personalities? Just for a second, look at roles and responsibilities and process and see if the problem could be circling those two places. Focus there first. and then. And then you can talk about all the halo effect of the things that go around it. But a lot of times, just that clarity is enough for people. They're like, oh my God, that's all I needed. I just needed to know. Thank you. Like, thanks for setting the expectation. Now I understand. 
setting expectations is kind. Setting expectations is strong leadership. Trying to hide from them or hide from feedback or not present information because you're worried about what people are going to think or just please put all that to the side because a lot of senior leaders avoid these conversations because of lots of fears. And what they're doing is they're, they're, it's not in service to your team to do that. So if you have some leadership issues that you need to work through because you're not having these conversations because of fear, worry, come talk to me. <laughs> Let's just work through that. Work through that on the side so that your team doesn't have to deal with you working through it with them, right? So these are these are massive fundamentals. They're things that I've seen. These are really like the two biggest things that I work on in my consulting, in the consulting side of my business. Um, these are the things that companies have the most sort of quote unquote challenges, issues with. So if you can focus here and kind of get to the root of the issue, I guarantee it's going to relieve so much for you and your team. So that's it. <laughs> that's all I got to say about that. So I will leave it there until next week. And that's it. I feel like I'm going to see you sometime or something. I'm trying to wrap it up like, and then I'll see you next week. I'm not going to see you, but... I will um, absorb your listening, being a part of this. I'm going to take that in (laughs) and I'll stop talking now. Bye. You've been listening to Business for Humans. Don't forget to subscribe so that you never miss an episode. And please leave a review so that other business owners can find the show. Learn more at practica.consulting.com.